Well, a New Zealand high school teacher has had his teaching registration cancelled after he refused to use the preferred pronouns and name for a 14-year-old student in the teacher's maths class who was in the process of transitioning from a girl to a boy. In other words, because he wasn't willing to lie and compromise his own conscience, he's lost his career. Let's check it out. So before we deal with this case, here's some other decisions made by the Teachers' Council. Teacher censored after assaulting daughter, but kept registration. He wrapped his hands around his teenage daughter's neck, shook her vigorously, and threatened to kill her after discovering the nature of her sexual activity. But can still teach. A preschool teacher drove to work drunk, but keeps teaching license, has had three drink-driving criminal prosecutions, and one previous teacher tribunal decision relating to alcohol use. Hey, but can still teach. A Whakatane teacher was censured for serious misconduct after forcing students at a school camp to strip to their underwear and stand with their noses against a tree, but can still teach. Uh, this teacher was a convicted drug cultivator, failed to comply with conditions placed on her during disciplinary proceedings in 2013, and failed to tell the teaching council about the criminal charge, but can still teach. This Christchurch teacher was found guilty of serious misconduct after making inappropriate and offensive comments on a podcast about students, a former girlfriend, his sex life, and going to work slightly high on drugs, still able to teach. Uh, here's an oldie but a goodie. A teacher tried to hire a gang member to assault her principal. The teacher also fabricated grades for uh, work not done by the students, forged the head of department's signature, and lied about what classes she had taught. The teacher feared she was going to be fired, so hatched a plan for one of her students' grandfathers to threaten the principal. Yep, so got a student involved. The teacher told a colleague she had arranged for the principal to be capped. And despite her unprofessional actions and serious misconduct, the teacher's council has given the teacher permission to return to the classroom. She can still teach. Or this teacher. This one didn't even make it to the teacher's council, but 22 parents laid a joint formal complaint about a handout given to pupils aged 11 to 13 that detailed five different legal classifications of sex. Genital, digital, object, oral, and anal. The two-page document also included details about different sex acts, including uh, using hands and feet to sexually pleasure someone, and sex toys uh, for 11- and 12-year-olds. But, yep, that's all fine, can still teach. So, on to this latest case. Uh, and according to the New Zealand Herald report, it says this. The decision released publicly today said a 14-year-old student in the teacher's mass class was in the process of transitioning from girl to boy and a preferred male name was recorded in the school's online portal. However, the mass teacher uh, refused to call the student by his preferred name and pronouns. He later met with the student during a morning tea break and told him gender transition went against his Christian beliefs. The student came up with a compromise telling the teacher he could refer to him by his preferred name but continued to use she, her pronouns. The teacher again refused, adding words to the effect of not wanting the student to go down a path of sin. I have a question. Did the parents know about this? Had they requested an official change of name? 
We don't know. Nobody seems to have seen that as important. But under the law, which is quite important, eh, it says this. You can change your child's name in New Zealand if they are 15 or under. The parents can. Uh, once your child is 16, then they can apply themselves with your consent. So legally, the parents have to be involved in a name change. A 14-year-old cannot legally change their own name. The school cannot unilaterally change the name of the child on the official records. A nickname, sure. I was sometimes Robert and sometimes Bob at school, although my records always showed Robert because that's my official name. Now, radical groups like Inside Out will say, change the name, go with the new identity and name. Sorry, they're not lawyers. The law says the parents have to be involved, end of story. And the Ministry of Education should be abiding by that, but they're not. The decision says that the name change was recorded on KMAR, the school's online portal. But was it a legal name change? Did the parents know? Did the parents consent? Um, the problem is that schools are being told to keep this type of stuff secret from parents if that's what the child wants. Yeah, what the child wants. And uh, as I've said, any policy that separates children from their parents, like sneaking pregnant girls off for an abortion or change the sex on your birth certificate or assist puberty blockers and preferred pronouns without parental involvement or consent is a major, major problem. Your children do not belong to the state. They belong to their family. Now, the teacher correctly told the tribu tribunal, quote, you cannot compel a teacher to call a student by a name that is not their legal name, end quote. Exactly. You cannot compel someone to lie or to break the law. Let me repeat that. You cannot compel someone to lie or to break the law. The other thing is that the report sort of makes out that the teacher accosted the student during the break and told her in no uncertain terms that uh, he wasn't listening to her. But what the decision says is, quote, he had a meeting with the student during a morning tea break and stated that transitioning was against his religion. In other words, in all good conscience, he told her he wouldn't tell a biological lie and he thought that what she was doing and asking him to do was wrong. If a student told a teacher that he was off to take drugs during the break, would you expect the teacher to communicate a value judgment on that? If a student told a teacher that she was off to have sex with her boyfriend after school, would you expect the teacher to communicate a value judgment on that? If a student told a teacher that he was off to have a fight with a guy that was now dating his ex-girlfriend, should the teacher say something about that? If a student told a teacher that she thought she was overweight when she was actually very skinny and that she was making herself vomit during every break, would you expect the teacher to communicate a value judgment on that? Would you, would you like to think that the teacher might refer the student to a counsellor? See, I don't see much opposition to teachers pushing pink shirt day and diversity clubs and LGBT messaging around the school. So the uh, New Zealand Herald report continues. The tribunal heard that because of the man's Christian beliefs, he refused to accept the concept of gender transitioning as a whole and refused to call them by their preferred name or pronouns. During his testimony, the teacher also continued to misgender the student and claimed he didn't have to use their preferred name because the student was under the age of 18. Well, legally, he's correct. And he's not 
misgendering the student because based on his correct understanding of biology, you can't change your gender. The tribunal, however, retorted by suggesting the teacher would have no problem uh, uh, referring to a Matthew as Matt if they so wished. Well, that's a completely stupid argument. Matthew is male. Matt is male. Duh. This name change requested by the 14-year-old is likely to be a female name to a distinctly male name. We don't actually get told in the decision, but that's almost for sure what it will be. Uh, further submissions saw the teacher compare pronouns to a hypothetical case where a student wants to identify as earthly royalty or a judge and wanted to be referred to using the pronoun your honour. Although these examples may seem absurd, the teacher said, they are the same logic as calling a girl a boy and a, or a boy a girl and may lead to abuse of teachers and others. Is it appropriate for a teacher to call a student by the pronoun your honour or to expect teachers to refer to students as different animals? Well, once again, he's correct. Now, this is where the teacher really should have got legal advice. I really wish he'd made contact with us because it's a really important case and he could have really pushed back on all of this. When he got in front of the tribunal hearing, he proceeded to preach a sermon on biblical sexuality and the sanctity of life, which, yeah, great in a church, but probably not appropriate when you're dealing with the teacher's council. Uh, by the way, here's a recent post of the said teacher's council, but of course they haven't got a cultural religious worldview, have they? Yeah, right. So a sermon wasn't the strategic way to tackle this. But it is really important to note, there is no evidence that the teacher preached to the student. He simply said that he didn't think you could change your gender and that for him as a teacher to affirm that would be sin or that he didn't want the student to go down the path of sin or words to that effect, according to the decision. But the teaching council said this. The balance of the arguments put forward by the teacher are deeply anchored in his ingrained belief in Christianity. The arguments refer referencing the risk of homosexuality and abortion may well be welcome and normal within the context of the teacher's private life and views. However, they are disgraceful when used in the present context. But as I said, these are his personal views shared with the tribunal, not the student. Apparently, your Christian views are disgraceful, according to the teacher's counsel. But here's the key bit of the decision. We note that even without the submission of the teaching, the Sermon on Homosexuality and Abortion, even without that, we would have found the charge proven on the pure conduct alone. In other words, not using the preferred pronoun and the preferred name was guilt enough to lose your career. If you aren't willing to lie, you're not fit to be a teacher, apparently. Think about that. That's quite shocking. The tribunal found the cancellation of the teacher's license, i.e. destroying his career, was the only appropriate way forward and ordered him to pay costs. The teaching council also said that the teacher was not qualified to offer some form of gender dysphoria advice to the student, particularly based on his personal Christian views. Ah. But Inside Out and Rainbow Youth and every other radical extremist left-wing group can come into the school to preach puberty blockers and preferred pronouns and cross-sex hormones 
and all different forms of performing sex and sexualities. Why? Because they're not Christian. Starting to see the hypocrisy here. Uh, and this doozy, the council said that they weren't trying to punish the teacher by taking away his career and that he's entitled to his views and religious beliefs. Uh, now, if you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. And do you think a teacher who spoke positively about abortion and the right to choose and choosing your gender amongst the 112 options and your sexuality amongst the 200 plus options and why you should wear the rainbow shoelaces would be in front of the teacher's tribunal? So the teacher has lost his career. Now, the New Zealand Herald did a follow-up report, basically celebrating the decision and ramming down the indoctrination on this issue. Schools, including Christian institutions, little dig there, are strongly encouraged to use transgender students' preferred names and pronouns, guidelines show. Ministry of Education General Manager Sila Finau said today that boards of all schools were required by law to cater to students with different needs and make sure that school was a physically and emotionally safe environment. The legislation does not address specific issues such as names and pronouns, but the ministry commissioned guidelines last year which aim to give school and schools and teachers some direction on this issue. The guidelines by Inside Out said that using a person's chosen name and pronouns was about respecting their right to self-determination. Yeah, the government has commissioned guidelines from Inside Out, a radical sexuality and gender ideology organisation funded by the government. Uh, let me tell you what else they also advise schools uh, in this document. Under the heading respecting students' wishes around names, pronouns, and gender, it says this, trans and gender diverse students will have various wishes and needs around their name, pronouns, and gender. They may want staff and students to address them with a different name and or pronouns than those used at home. Legally, there is no minimum age at which a young person can request to change their personal information. When a student requests that their personal information be changed, the school should consider their student's age, cognitive ability, and personal circumstances before deciding how to respond. Regardless of which kind of change a student would like to make, it's essential that schools check with the student whether they have told their parents far now about their change of name, pronoun, or gender marker. This is an issue of safety because a student may not have support at home for such changes to be made. The school's primary responsibility is student safety, which includes affirming their gender. You see where you fit in, parents? Yeah, you don't. It's the school working secretly with the child. Remember, this is both secondary, intermediate, and primary advice. This is what the government is telling schools through a radical activist group. And it's what the government is telling children. Uh, the uh, media report then goes on. It's not getting much better, is it? Uh, it then goes on to say, where are we? Uh, Secondary Schools Principal Association, Greg Pierce, said schools were required to use students' legal uh, names for formal reporting purposes. But for daily practical use, most schools preferred to use students' chosen names and pronouns. Uh, nope. 
there is no legal status to that statement at all, as we've just learnt from looking at the law. And if schools are required to use a student's legal name, then surely an employee, like a teacher, also has to use the student's legal name. Now, by the way, I, earlier I referenced the online portal that schools use for recording student details. It's called KMAR. Uh, here's the application for a school and using KMAR and the gender question. Male, female, gender diverse, not defined, transgender male to female, transgender female to male, gender diverse, not elsewhere classified. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they argue there's at least 112 genders, so not enough space to list them all. And sadly, I have to report that this application form uh, that I just showed you was being used by an integrated school. Um, the article continues. Uh, Christian schools are not exempt from requirement to protect and support trans students, integrated schools, most of which are Catholic, are entitled to have a special character, but were still bound for, by human rights legislation, said the Ministry of Education spokesperson. That included the right to freedom from discrimination on the basis of sex, which has been interpreted to include gender identity. Interpreted, but only by activists. Once again, this is inaccurate legal advice. Uh, now, there was then a comment from Dr. Kevin Shaw, who leads the Association of Proprietors of Integrated Schools, who said, for example, we've been asked by schools to confirm whether, uh, by schools to confirm whether schools should use a student's preferred name and gender if this differs from the details in their student records. Our legislation does not specifically include this level of detail, and schools are unsure if they are allowed or required to, end quote. The inside-out guidelines were designed to provide clarity where the law did not. You have to be kidding. The media and the Ministry of Education are using a radical activist group to represent and interpret the law. Why? Because it fits their narrative. I can guarantee you that if we provided the legal advice, as we did around the fact and the evidence that the anti-smacking law is criminalising good parents, despite promises by politicians that it wouldn't, the media and the ministry would be ignoring us. Uh, the article says, however, the ministry noted that the, its guidelines for schools were not mandatory. Boom. If there's any teachers or principals watching, remember that. However, the ministry noted that its guidelines for schools were not mandatory. They're guidelines. Ignore them. Most schools are. Now, if you know the teacher concerned in this case, get him to contact us. We'd love to organise some legal advice in the hope that he can get his career back and with the intention that we can overturn the terrible precedent that this case sets for other teachers. When teachers are required to tell biological lies or lose their careers because of a flawed and harmful ideology which is ruining kids' lives and futures, then you know we're in a really dangerous place. It is not loving to affirm a lie.